Shabbat Shalom. This is a little sooner to be doing this again than I expected, but I guess the Lord's timing is perfect here. Um, in, in asking the Lord, you know, okay, you, you got me set up again, so what is it that you want? <laughs> what is it that you want to be said? Um, I ended up with two stories, and and I'm praying they're connected, but the, the part that, that I connect them is the, the fact that the Lord wants us to be everything he created us to be, and he wants us to fully walk in his destiny. And so he does have a way of healing us and, and bringing us to a place where we can be who we're created to be. So my, um, oh, and we're, we are supposed to make an impact on our community, on our culture. Um, we're supposed to make a difference. And we have everything that we need. The Lord's provided everything that we need to make an impact and to make a difference. So my first story, I was about four years old. And my, um, my parents, my mom worked nights and my dad worked during the days. So we went to a babysitter during the day. And at one point, I um, got pinned down by a couple of the other boys who were being babysat in the on the back porch area, kind of a breezeway. And I cried out for help. And I asked the babysitter to come and help me, but she didn't come. And I didn't realize it, but at four years old, for one, I made a judgment. I made a judgment that she heard and she chose to ignore my cries for help. And then I made a vow because of that judgment. And my vow was, I will never ask for help again, which had quite an impact on my life. I, uh, a few years later, my mom told a story about um, how my kindergarten teacher had called her and said, um, you know, we have show and tell on Fridays and Marie's been bringing rocks for show and tell for a couple weeks, I guess. And so she helped me find something more appropriate to bring um, to show and tell. And I do remember walking to school, looking in the gutter and picking up rocks. But there, my vow, I will never ask for help, affected my, the way I, I lived, you know. And uh, later on, it had other impacts. You can imagine how um, we're, we're to live in community, and if I have a vow never to ask for help, you get kind of isolated and, and stunted. But about when I was in my 30s, I went to a, it was a healing seminar, and the Lord set me up there too. And it was very sweet. You know, it was one of those um, joint ministry kind of things where if you sense the Lord on you, stand up. And I was shaking like a leaf, so I figured that was the Lord, so I stood up. And what happens when you go through uh, traumatic things, either one of two things, your, your brain knows what you can take and what you can't take. And so your brain does either one of two things. It, it either blocks out the memory or it removes the emotions from the memory. And I, I had the memory, it wasn't anything um, I always remembered that that particular incident, but I had no emotions to go with it. So there was a very sweet person um, ministering to me at the time, 
And, and the Lord would say something and, and he'd repeat it, not knowing that's what the Lord had just told me. The, the first thing was the Lord said, don't be afraid. And he said, don't be afraid. And after a couple of those kind of interchanges, my faith kind of got built up that the Lord was going to be there. Um, and so he took me through the memory and he reattached the emotions to it. And I remembered what it felt like to, to give up hope that the babysitter was going to come. And at that point, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, when you cry out for help, I will come. And that changed my life in, in that particular way. And as um, the, the, the steps, although there were unconscious steps, the first thing, I needed to forgive her, the babysitter, and repent for holding it against her. And I realized she probably wasn't standing by the door and listening to me and choosing not to come and help. But by the same token, she was the babysitter. She was supposed to keep an eye out on me, and she was supposed to keep me safe, and it didn't happen. So then I had to come out of agreement with the, with the lie or the vow that I had made about not asking for help, and, and that, that definitely changed my life. And, and then I have to embrace the truth and walk in the truth. And so that, that is the pattern. That's how we get back to... Um, being fully what we're to be. And one of my passions is to see people set free. And if I still lived in that vow, I wouldn't be able to do that. So the second story, um, the second story is, a, is more recent. Um, <clears throat> when when Olivia and Johanna, Johannes came um, back from Ethiopia, I, I did a, a you know a short prayer time with Olivia because it's good to wash off whatever you brought back with you. It's just check in, make sure everything's um, going well. And as we were praying, I saw a picture of a um, I called it an ugly eye. It was kind of an older face and an ugly eye with kind of a film over it and the closest thing that I could come to was a, a cataract so you know I wasn't going to say anything because you're praying for someone you see an ugly eye it's like yeah I don't want to bring that up but I ended up bringing it up and and her comment was when I think it's Jewish uh, or Jew, Jewish voice or yeah when they did medical missions and they keep track of the, the conditions that they take care of and the, the number one condition were eye problems and cataracts. And, and the way the Lord kind of speaks to me is I'm not sure how I got there but um, I had a sense that knowing a little bit of the history of the, the people there that at some point the people made a covenant with the enemy for safety and protection. And it cost them dearly. For one, they lived in isolation in those little villages that took three hours to hike into. And <laughs> um, they lived in poverty, and they're losing their vision. Without a vision, the people perish. So I, ha I had a sense that they've made covenants with the enemy for protection. 
And then as the Lord builds on that kind of thing, um, I had a sense that's what the Lord's doing now. He's breaking the, um, the power of the covenants that we've made as a, as a nation, as a, a, a people in our community, in our culture, um, in the, yeah, that's it, yep. <laughs> and for us, as we um, look to the Lord, he's going to show us what those covenants are, and he's going to help us to repent, forgive, to come out of agreement, and to embrace the truth. It's not a hard thing to do, because the, the truth is that the covenant that Yeshua made with us on the cross is greater than any other covenant. It's, it supersedes any other covenant. Plus, covenants are usually nullified by death, and we died in Christ, and we're risen with him. So, in asking the Lord also about, you know, is this really what you want me to share? Um, I came across uh, a story on Facebook. Well, it was actually a picture, and you probably won't see it, but it's a tower coming down. And the caption is from Dutch Sheets. And he um, wrote under it, We decree the unraveling of unrighteous and evil governmental covenants in the United States of America. So I think it's something God's doing right now. And again, you don't take it on, you know, especially if I had that vow of not asking for help, that you get wiped out. You don't take it on by yourself, but you ask the Lord, um, what covenants have we made that we need to come out of agreement with? And, and go through the process of um, repentance, coming out of agreement, and re embracing the truth and the covenant that we have with the Lord. I'm trying to think if there was anything else here. So, although um, I feel like, you know, it, Personal um, repentance and personal healing never goes out of season, so we'll always have a, an aspect of that, but I feel like the Lord is moving us on to something more corporate. So just ask the Lord if there's any agreement, anything that keeps you from walking fully in your destiny, and then ask him what he wants you to know about it. That's it. <laughs>